America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer your health questions, and whether we answer them on the air or off the air, they do get answered. So please, if you have a question, feel free to email me directly. You can send that email to droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. That's D as in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com. And whether I answer them off the air or on the air, as said before, they will get answered. Who doesn't want free medical advice. I do, and I'm giving it to you today and every week we have the Royal Treatment. We'd like to thank our sponsors, being Turtle Healing Band Clinic, THB Clinic here in Las Vegas. That's where I work. We are about two miles east of the Strip and across the street from one of the major hospitals here in Las Vegas, Desert Springs. We'd also like to thank the First Nation Medical Board. First Nation Medical Board licenses practitioners such as myself who practice traditional medicine. What is traditional medicine? Well, it's using unconventional modalities in your medical practice. We refer to those unconventional modalities, products, and protocols as alternative medicine, holistic medicine, complementary medicine, and so forth. Both the Turtle Healing Band and the First Nation Medical Board are under the jurisdiction of the Crow Tribe of Indians. Why? Well, the federal government gave the Indians the right to regulate the practice of traditional medicine. Now, all 50 states in this country regulate the practice of conventional medicine. So, if a doctor, such as myself, wishes to help his patients become optimally well... He's going to have to use a traditional approach because current medical system using the conventional model is designed for sick care. It's to manage your symptoms. Now, if we want to do the opposite and emphasize health optimization, we're going to have to work with the body through traditional means. For this reason, the First Nation Medical Board offers physicians dual licensure so they can practice both conventional and traditional medicine if they so choose to do so. The reason that's important is if a physician wants to give his patients something as simple as an IV infusion of vitamin C, he can lose his license if the medical board takes exception to it. And they can do that in 49 states in this country. There's only one state where there is a homeopathic medical board that is in Arizona. The previous states of Connecticut and Nevada lost their medical board. Nevada lost theirs just last year in 2019. What a shame. We're down to one state, Arizona, which comes up for Sunset Review this year. So it'll be interesting to see if that state survives. If not, we have the First Nation Medical Board. We'd also like to welcome all of our listeners from Native Voice One Network. We're glad to have you along because we have much to talk about. What do we talk about on the Royal Treatment? Well, hopefully things that interest you. I always talk about, of course, things that interest me, but my purpose in being here is to provide you with information that you can use to make better informed healthcare decisions for your own health optimization. We do like to review obituaries. Why? Well, because nobody else does. Nobody seems to give a care. 
but there's much to be learned from it. So at the beginning of the show, we usually review our local and international obituaries, people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. I say too young because we're looking at the life expectancy here and abroad, but primarily focused on the United States. Life expectancy in this country is now at 76 years of age for a man, 81 years of age for a woman, which means it is 78 and a half years of age. Now, what's interesting about that number is it's been decreasing for the last two, three, four years. We've now set a record in the United States for the decline of our average life expectancy. Never happened before in the history of the United States. It happened for three years in a row back in 1916, 17, and 18. The last decline was in 1990, but now we've done four years in a row. Congratulations to us. Something is wrong with the system, but guess what? What's wrong with the system doesn't have to affect you, and if it's up to me, frankly, it won't. So let's get going. First, we're going to look at obituaries, people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had here locally in Las Vegas and Reno. That's in Nevada, where I live and practice medicine. We have a 43-year-old man who worked for the Nevada Cement Company. He died from complications associated with his knee surgery, number three cause of death in the United States medical side effects, and hospital mistakes. He was 43. 51-year-old man, director of sales for a visitor's center, died after a seven-month battle with leukemia. He was 51. 56-year-old man, a stage performer and entertainer, passed away unexpectedly from natural causes. I don't think it was natural. It was a sudden death from heart attack. He was 56. 58-year-old man, a law enforcement officer with Clark County School District, passed away after a long battle with his illness, which most likely was cancer. 59-year-old man who worked as a psychologist passed away unexpectedly at his home. Also sudden death from heart attack. 65-year-old woman, a dispatcher for the sheriff's department, passed away after a brief battle with cancer. 71-year-old man passed away after battling lung cancer for three years. 78-year-old woman who worked for the Wells Fargo Bank died unexpectedly after complications from a stroke. And finally, a 79-year-old man who served in the United States Air Force passed away after a brief battle with pancreatic cancer. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion right after the break, so stay with us. After forming all the organs and body components necessary for human life, stem cells disappear, right? No! Stem cells are present in all of us just waiting for an opportunity to regenerate organs, joints, ligaments, muscles, and other body tissues they originally formed. Dr. Dan Royal has developed a unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help rejuvenate your body? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Your own naturally occurring stem cells are the ultimate anti-aging treatment. They can be used to improve facial appearance and hair growth, as well as for aches, pains, and other conditions. Could your own stem cells help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Find out by calling Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454. Hi, this is Eddie Floyd with America Matters with Eddie Floyd, and I want to tell you something. I normally never do personal endorsements. I'm going to today because, as a lot of you know, I've been suffering from a knee operation, and I went finally, at the advice of my doctor, to Reno Cryotherapy. I have never in my life been so excited, and the results are phenomenal. 6490 South McCarran Boulevard, Building D, Suite 29, the phone number 689-8888. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. 
So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba. Please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, and thank you, my friends, for sticking with us. Before the break, we were talking about obituaries. Now, those were local people who had died in Las Vegas, and we know Nevada areas just this last week, too young from diseases that they shouldn't have had. Check your own obituaries in your area and see what's happening there. As mentioned earlier in the show, if you need to reach me, you can at any time email me, droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, just like it sounds, royal blue, at Royal Medical Clinic, all one word, dot com. Or call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic, 702-562-1454. 702-562-1454. We have lots to talk about today. We're going to be talking about some studies that I think might be of interest to you. And we're going to be talking about a homeopathic case. We don't do that very much, but I think we're going to start doing that a lot more because they're very interesting. And if time permits, we're going to talk about your First Amendment rights in regards to vaccinations. We've been talking about vaccinations the last few weeks. And why shouldn't you have a right to be or not be vaccinated? Well, there's many reasons not to be. And we've talked about those in the past. Well, let's look at what the federal government has to say, maybe a little later in the program. But let's talk right now about obituaries. Now we're looking at international deaths from celebrity notables who died this last week, too young, from diseases they shouldn't have had, remembering that the average life expectancy in the U.S. is now down to 78.5 years of age. We have Harry Haynes, Australian actor who struggled with mental illness and addiction. He died at 27 years of age. Subusiso Radibi, South African actor and dancer, died at 37 years of age after his battle with cancer, for which he'd had chemotherapy and radiation for an entire year. We have Fifth Ward Weeby, American bounce rapper. He died at 42 years of age due to complications from heart surgery after a ruptured artery. Before the break, we talked about someone who died from complications associated with his knee surgery. There was a study done back in 2016 which showed that adults who have experienced medical medication or lab errors or delays in the past two years is 19%. It's one out of every five adults have had some type of negative experience associated with medication and labs. But as I mentioned earlier, it is the number three cause of death in the country currently. We have number one, heart disease or cancer. They're both very close, but let's say it's heart disease. Number two is cancer, but cancer is increasing throughout the world. 16 out of 19 industrialized nations now have cancer as the number one cause of death. And some countries, such as the United Kingdom, claim that dementia is the number one cause of death. Carrying on, we have Stephen Clements, British radio personality. He died at 47 years of age, suddenly, which, as you know, means sudden death from heart attack. They don't always give us the specifics. We have to read between the lines. Stan Kirsch, American actor, screenwriter, and acting coach, died at 51 years of age from suicide by hanging. I don't know why people do that, but there are medications they may be taking for their mental condition. We call them antidepressants that can drive you to commit suicide and in some cases, homicide. 
Elizabeth Bertzel, American author of Prozac Nation, died at 52 years of age from breast cancer that had metastasized to her brain. Roddy Lumsden, Scottish poet, died at 53 years of age from heart attack. La Parca, Mexican professional wrestler, died at 54 years of age after hitting his head on the concrete during a match versus the murder clown. Of course, that was an accident. Roman Matusik, Czech speedway writer, is dead at 55 years of age. Mark Morgan, Belgian singer-songwriter, died at 57 years of age. Vincino Cirindolo, Italian medical researcher and human immunology, is dead at 60 years of age. The causes of death for these people were, was not given. Sally Thomas, British academic on early children's studies, died at 60 years of age from cancer. Junko Hirotani, Japanese singer, died at 63 years of age from breast cancer. Inaki Vincente, Filipino soccer player for the national team, died at 65 years of age from a stroke. He was a professional athlete. We have Carlos Cuco Rojas, Colombian harpist, died at 65 years of age from a heart condition. Carlos Giron, Mexican diver, Olympic silver medalist in 1980, died at 65 years of age from pneumonia, or I should say the treatment on pneumonia. Neda Arnerich, Serbian actress, died at 66 years of age from a heart attack. Neil Pert, Canadian Hall of Fame drummer for Rush and lyricist, died at 67 years of age from glioblastoma, a brain cancer. Patrick Welch, American politician, member of the Illinois Senate, died at 71 years of age from complications due to a stroke. Jaleeth Manarante, Syrian, or I should say Sri Lankan actor, died at 71 years of age from brain cancer. Roscoe Nance, American sports journalist for USA Today and beat writer, died at 71 years of age from cancer. Kazuo Sukurada, Japanese professional wrestler, died at 71 years of age from cardiac arrhythmia. In this case, his pacemaker failed to work. Ritu Nanda, Indian insurance advisor, died at 71 years of age after battling cancer. Now, she was diagnosed back in 2013, and she'd gone to New York for chemotherapy. Apparently, the chemotherapy there wasn't any better than in India. Petro Petkov, Bulgarian soccer player for the national team and manager, died at 73 years of age after a short illness. Usually means short illness of cancer. Oswaldo Lariva, Ecuadorian academic and politician, governor of Asue province, died at 74 years of age from leukemia, a blood-born cancer. Emmanuel Borak, Soviet-born American violinist, teacher, and concert master, died at 75 years of age from lung cancer. And remember, you can get lung cancer from something other than smoking. Do you know what that is? If you said radon exposure, which is an outgassing from the ground that comes from uranium, you are correct. We have Sir Roger Scruton, British philosopher, author, and editor, died at 75 years of age after a six-month battle with cancer. Julio Caldas, Portuguese lawyer, minister of national defense, died at 76 years of age from a stroke. Gopinath Gayapati, Indian politician, died at 76 years of age in the hospital after a prolonged illness. When they say illness, they usually mean cancer. Steve Stiles, American cartoonist and writer, died at 76 years of age from cancer. It's always more interesting if we know what type of cancer, but not always given. Isabel Clarosimo, Spanish journalist and writer, died at 76 years of age from a degenerative disease, not specified. Could have been ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Mike Resnick, American science fiction writer, died at 77 years of age from his battle with lymphoma cancer. Tom Belso, Danish motor racing driver, died at 77 years of age from stomach cancer. You can see there are many different types. Mazamel Hossein, Bangladeshi politician, died at 79 years of age from kidney disease. Kabos bin Saad al Saad, Omani royal and sultan, died at 79 years of age from colon cancer. This is always interesting because here we have someone who has all the money that the best medical care can buy, and he's still dead from cancer. Infata Pilar, Duchess of Badajoz, Spanish royal, died at 83 years of age from colon cancer. But we also have Gerald Weisfeld, British businessman, founder of What Every Woman Wants. He died at 79 years of age due to 
dementia. Well, that's it on the obituaries. Always interesting, sometimes entertaining, but much to learn. Hopefully, none of that will happen to you, my friends. I want you to live a long, healthy, good quality of life. That's the difference. Live long and prosper, but live long and be healthy in the process so you can enjoy every minute that the higher power allows you to be on this planet and do good for yourself and everyone else around you. Well, do you want to live longer? Here's an interesting study. No one has been able to discover the fountain of youth, but an English study indicates that a trip to your local art museum could help extend your life. The findings were published last month in the British Medical Journal. Researchers from University College London included participants from the English Longitudinal Study of Aging, a cohort of more than 6,000 adult residents ages 50 or older. The study reviewed the association between varying levels of engagement in the arts, as well as mortality rates in participants in the cohort. Researchers followed up with participants over a 14-year period. While previous studies have shown the association between arts engagement and the prevention and treatment of mental physical health conditions, including depression, dementia, chronic pain, and frailty, researchers have not been able to make a strong connection between how they're affected by the arts. Here, they found that adults 50 or older who engage with arts frequently or every few months or more, whether by going to the theater, museums, attending concerts, the opera, or visiting art galleries and exhibitions had a 31% lower risk of dying in the follow-up period. That's one out of three. Pretty significant. And the participants engaged with cultural activities less frequently, such as once or twice a year, they had a 14% lower risk of dying during the 14-year follow-up period compared to peers who did not engage in the arts. But 14% is 14%. During the follow-up period, now we're talking over the next 14 years, 28.8% of the participants died. Men were more likely than women to die, as were people who were older, unmarried, or not living with a partner, and people who were not working with no educational qualifications. Of the deceased participants, 47.5% had never engaged in the arts. Meanwhile, death occurred in 26.6% of the people who did engage in arts infrequently, and 18.6% of those who engaged with it less frequently. In short, the arts can help us live a little longer with more creativity and even block stress. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stay with us. Low-dose chemotherapy uses only 10 to 20% of full-dose chemo, and it's known as IPT, or insulin-potentiated therapy. It's one of the safest and most innovative approaches to treating cancer effectively. IPT virtually eliminates side effects of full-dose chemo, such as nausea, hair loss, and fatigue. Could IPT be the answer you've been searching for? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. IPT uses low-dose chemo with insulin. Cancer cells have up to 20 times more insulin receptors and use up to 20 times more sugar than normal cells. That's why cancer cells thrive while normal cells struggle to survive. One study showed that using low-dose chemo with insulin resulted in a 10,000% increase in cancer-killing ability. Could IPT with low-dose chemo and insulin help you? Call Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for IPT. That's 702-562-1454. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day? 
that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives. The question is, what is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775-237-2266. Now back to the show. We are back at the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you are listening to The Royal Treatment. Makes sense. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and this is The Royal Treatment. Remember, if you have a question, feel free to email it to me. Get some free medical advice by sending your question to droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. Do you use Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com, or call us here at the Turtle Healing Bank Clinic at 702-562-1454. That's THB Clinic here in Las Vegas, 702-562-1454. Well, before the break, we were talking about a study about how the arts can improve your quality of life and help you live a little longer. Let's look at a couple other studies, and then I want to talk about something we call a caudal block. If you have back pain, lower back pain, if it's chronic and recurrent, and especially if you're taking medications, you need to hear what I have to say. In fact, we just performed it on a patient in my clinic today. Well, first, we want to look at a study that was done in Denmark. This is a 40-year nationwide Danish study where they reviewed databases to identify individuals with with hospital-based overweight and obesity diagnosis. Now, what they did was they computed the age and gender, then standardized the incident ratios, they call that SR, I'm sorry, SIRs, for subsequent cancer compared to the general population. In other words, we're looking to see, is there a relationship between being overweight and obese and cancer? And what they found out was, yes, there is. We observed 20,706 cancers among 313,321 patients who were diagnosed as being either overweight or obese, although they said overweight and obese. I guess if you're obese, you're overweight, but not necessarily vice versa. And they compared this to the 18,480 cancers that were expected for this group. Now, the SIR, standardized incident ratios associated with being overweight and obese, was increased with concomitant comorbidities. That means that they found some related conditions to being overweight or obese, such as type 2 diabetes. That's the non-insulin-dependent glucose-elevated patients and alcoholism-related diseases. Those two were associated with being overweight and obese. Then they also found there was a relationship between being overweight and obese between certain cancers, such as pancreatic cancer, postmenopausal breast cancer, hematologic or blood-related cancers, and neurological or brain cancers. The bottom line is that this was a very big study over 40 years. Remember that they found a strong connection between being overweight and obese and an increased risk with several common cancers. Now we've talked about ways on this program before on how to lose weight. Mostly it takes a commitment. There are many ways to lose weight, but if you're on a weight loss program, you have to be mindful that It's more than about losing weight. Of course, it's 
doing those things that can help improve your quality of life and help you live longer in the process. But you have to make sure that your body fat ratio is also improving. If that's not happening, then you're going to gain all your weight back. You have to improve your body fat ratio because, well, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you burn calories by having more muscle to burn calories while you sleep. So you can look at losing weight. Now, you may also look at improving your shape by checking your insters and, of course, the way your clothes fit. But you should definitely be looking at your body fat ratio. Now, for a man, that ratio should ideally be between 12 and 20%. For a woman, ideally, it should be between 18 to 25%. If you're between 25 and 30%, you are overweight. If you're over 30%, you are obese. Keep that in mind because remember, by the year 2030, what's happening in the United States? Well, what's predicted to happen is that half of the population will be obese. All right. Well, here's another study, which I thought you might find interesting. This was done looking at a connection between arthritis, a specific type of arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and exercise. Now, the data was taken from the Nurses Health Study, an ongoing prospective study that was launched back in 18, or 1989. 1889 would be a real long time ago. Launched back in 18, no, 1989, that enrolled 116,430 registered nurses who were ages 25 to 42 years. So this study has been going on for the past 30 years. Data in the study was collected prospectively, which means going forward, allowing the researchers to correlate lifestyle behaviors and changes over time when symptoms of possible rheumatoid arthritis developed and when they were diagnosed. There were 506 incident rheumatoid arthritis cases out of 113,366 women that were analyzed in the study. After adjusting for such things as smoking, dietary quality, and their BMI, basal metabolic index, at age 18 years, it was found that the more times per week women were physically active, the less frequent the incident of rheumatoid arthritis. For example, four to seven hours of recreational activity per week was associated with a 33% reduced risk of rheumatoid arthritis compared to less than one hour per week of activity. The most common form of activity was walking, interestingly enough, and appeared to be as beneficial as other forms of exercise ranging from swimming to vigorous exercise such as running. Now, overall, the researchers found that greater amounts spent in any type of recreational physical activity seemed to lower the risk of rheumatoid arthritis. But walking at a brisk pace was the most common activity and seemed to be the most strongly associated with reducing rheumatoid arthritis risk. Keep that in mind. You may want to start taking advantage of that. I know that my father-in-law, who, when he was alive, was overweight and taking medications for his blood pressure. But the way that he was able to keep his weight and blood pressure under control was doing walking. He would walk his dog around the property, and as long as he had time to do that, everything else was hunky-dory. Well, let's look at something we call a caudal block. This is not something that people typically do anywhere in this country, but we do it here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. Now, let's see who should have this. Number one, you already had steroid epidurals, and since the steroids did not help, you have been told the next step is surgery. You have tried the steroid epidurals, and they did not help as much or as long as you had hoped they would. That's number two. Number three, you have been recently advised to get the steroid epidurals, and after hearing the risk and benefits, you're looking for safer options. These are all the people who potentially could benefit from a caudal block. We call it a caudal block, but really we're injecting a solution to help heal the damaged nerves and tissue attachments in your lower spine. Epidural injections, sometimes called nerve blocks or epidural blocks, can be delivered in three primary areas of the lower back. These areas are one, interlaminar, number two, transforaminal, number three, caudal. Of course, we use the latter because it is the safest and the least risky. In fact, we've had patients who've received the injection and they walked out here feeling 100% and stayed that way 
after the injection. Depending on what's used, of course, you may be a little sore and stiff, like a typical prolotherapy injection. You say, what's that? Well, prolotherapy means proliferant. We're using a solution that helps to proliferate new tissue. And this can be done with anything that creates an irritation of sorts, as that irritation is a signal to attract your stem cells to repair damaged tissue. Now, keep in mind an epidural is actually an anatomical space in the spinal area outside the dura, which is a strong fibrous lining that surrounds the spinal cord and holds the spinal fluid around the spine. The caudal block is not doing that. It's going outside the spine where the attachments are. Caudal block uses a prolotherapy-like solution such as concentrated dextrose or sugar to attract the stem cells that I mentioned via an inflammatory response to the area where tissue proliferation is needed. So, for example, in the patient we treated today, we used a combination of platelet-rich plasma and exosomes, which many people feel are even more effective than stem cells. So, for example, in one cc of exosomes, we get 400 million cells. In a cc of stem cells, umbilical cord blood stem cells, for example, we get 5 million. Big difference. But the exosomes are designed to help stem cells function a little more efficiently and use the stem cells of your own body. We call that autologous. This process allows the body to heal itself through the activation of natural healing pathways and thus repair damaged and injured tissue. A steroid is the opposite of prolotherapy in that it is used for its anti-inflammatory effect. Steroids also have many negative side effects, including but not limited to, let's list some, weakening a or softening of your bone, cartilage, ligaments, and tendons. Elevating your blood pressure. Elevating blood sugars. Difficulty sleeping because now the increased cortisol is keeping you awake. Causing you to retain water. We call that edema. And of course, like with any injection, there can be soreness and bruising at the site of the injection. A lot of that comes because some people take longer to clot than others. And the bleeding can continue beneath the skin. Even though it has stopped outside the skin. Well, when should you have your caudal block? The sooner, the better. With a prolotherapy solution, the sooner you can begin improving. Plus, treating a pain condition in the early stages keeps the injury from becoming a chronic one. Temporary relief via steroids is not what patients should be seeking in this case. Permanent healing and pain relief should be the goal. As I mentioned, steroid injections weaken and worsen damaged tissue. We're going to continue our discussion at the break and give you some case examples. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Stay with us. Can your own stem cells heal you? The miracle of life begins when an egg and a sperm unite. They form a single stem cell. Stem cells will keep dividing until directed by the body to become something else. Natural occurring stem cells can be found in all tissues of your body. Can your own stem cells help your body heal and repair itself? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Dr. Royal has developed a unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help your body heal and repair itself? Are you a cancer patient in remission who needs rejuvenation for optimal health and wellness? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped, childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo 
Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ, a Lotus broadcast station. The power of radio since 1967. Want to expand your advertising dollar? Sponsor this or any America Matters program by calling 775-827-8900, extension 2. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, my friends, and thank you for sticking with us for the final quarter of our show, and we still have lots to cover. My hope is to provide you with something that you will find of interest, but that will help you to learn one new thing. One new thing that you can use to improve your life for the better and help you achieve optimum health and wellness. That's my goal for you each and every week. Think of me as your health coach and feel free to email me your questions d royal at royalmedicalclinic.com d is in daniel royal r-o-y-a-l at royalmedicalclinicallinword.com or call us here at the turtle healing band clinic thb clinic 702-562-1454 702-562-1454 well before the break we were talking about a caudal block and i want to finish that discussion i'd like to talk a little bit about a homeopathic case of herpes zoster, and if we have time, talk about First Amendment rights regarding vaccinations. Well, why should you have a caudal block with prolotherapy? Well, the solutions bring increased blood flow and healing factors to the injured tissue back, sacral and coccyx. Now, this injection is given between the coccyx and sacral areas. It's a way for us to access the lower spine where everything comes to an end, that spinal cord of yours, where all of the nerves innervate your entire body. The lower back and sacral areas is what we're focusing on because, well, frankly, that's where most people have their pain. Now, any neck, back, or other joint ligament or tendon injury can be effectively treated with prolotherapy. And as I said, that's using a proliferant solution to proliferate new tissue. Prolotherapy is a treatment option that helps many people in pain significantly or completely heal. I've been using that myself for my patients since 1990. That's 29 years. Pain levels, activity of daily living, anxiety, depression, disability, etc. can be improved when your pain is better. Published scientific medical literature concludes that prolotherapy solutions are significantly better than steroids for overall healing and improved function. Remember, steroids just interrupt pain like an anti-inflammatory. They really don't heal anything. Now let's look at a case study. Here we have a patient, a 51-year-old female with a chronic recurring history of low back pain. She injured her back in sports at age 32 and was treated with physical therapy. Patient currently presents with severe, progressive, and activity-limiting lower back pain of three weeks' duration. She's otherwise healthy. Previous treatments of three prior similar flare-ups consisted of six weeks of physical therapy and home exercises. The first major episode of severe low back pain was almost three years ago. The past two episodes occurred within the last 10 months, and she received a series of three lumbar steroid epidural injections for pain and inflammation with each episode. Now, she had six steroid epidural injections over nine to 10 months. This was based on the L45, L5S1 disc protrusions that were seen on her MRI. Finally, she was recommended to have a surgical consult for, you guessed it, surgery. Spinal fusion. The patient then presented to the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. Hey, that's us for a consultation and second opinion. A detailed history and exam were completed. Past and current treatment recommendations, as well as alternative treatment options, were discussed with the patient. The patient was scheduled for a caudal block using a prolotherapy solution, which, as I said, can be something such as 
platelet-rich plasma with or without stem cells or exosomes. It's just that we happen to use it with exosomes on our patient today. Following her treatment at the Turtle Hedeman Clinic, the patient had a greater than 50% decrease of pain and improved function within one week after her prolotherapy treatment. Two weeks later, she had a second collar treatment. And upon follow-up, now she was 80 to 90% improved and could perform normal activities of daily living. She was sleeping wonderful again because she wasn't in pain and was completely off all pain and sleep medications. This is just one example, my friends, where collar block with prolotherapy solutions. We're able to strengthen the spine and its supportive tissues, soft tissues, which are not always visible on MRI, CAT scan, certainly not on the x-ray, and return the patient to an active, normal life. This is not pain management. This is a pain cure. We had a patient a couple of weeks ago we did a collar block on, and before she left the office, she was feeling 100% and has been doing very well ever since. While I want to talk about a homeopathic case, because the cases are quite interesting, I've been using homeopathy in my practice since I started practicing back in 1990 or 29 years, and I grew up with it in my family because my father, a medical doctor, became a homeopath. Here's a case of someone who had herpes zoster, often known as shingles. Let's see how she was treated. The patient was a 52-year-old woman. She started having painful vesicular skin eruptions on the left side of her occiput. That's the back of her head. A few days before she had her homeopathic consultation, the rashes were red-colored and extended to the back of her left ear. Of course, these eruptions are very painful. The affected area had burning, stinging, and constrictive pain. The diagnosis was herpes zoster or shingles. A few days before the outbreak, she felt stiffness in her neck and shoulder. The pain was worse from touch, but better from massage. She also felt better when lying on her left side. So the painful parts were pressed by the pillow when she was doing that. The pain was marginally relieved by cold application. Now, the patient had some other symptoms that were interesting and helped discover what the remedy should be. Because typically in homeopathy, we're looking for certain conditions. We're listening for physical, but also mental and emotional. To find the right remedy or combination of remedies, both the acute and chronic pictures pointed in this case to Apis mellifica, which is also known as the honeybee. A dose of 30C was prescribed daily for three consecutive days. She had an initial aggravation of headache and nausea for one and a half days. After that, the shingles subsided within a few days, and there was no pain at all thereafter. Now, I should mention that this particular homeopathic remedy was given sublingual, so that immediately affects the nervous system. A week later, she reported having better sleep, energy, and appetite since taking the remedy. And other symptoms were now beginning to improve. Five months later, after taking the remedy, the patient reported having better defense against colds and flus, which she used to get in frequently over the winter. Her emotions improved as well, becoming less prone to anger, outbursts, and irritability. In other words, the homeopathic had positive effects, not just on the physical conditions, but on her mental and emotional state as well. In this case, it happened that the remedy picture during the acute flare-up coinciding with the patient's chronic picture. So treating the acute situation helped other conditions to improve as the body was allowed to be catalyzed into bringing about its own healing. Well, that's one homeopathic case, which I thought you would find interesting, and we'll be having more in the weeks to come. But I want to talk just for a moment about free speech. Recently, there was a poll where the people were asked, I'm talking about Americans, the First Amendment, which provides the right of Americans to have free speech, was enacted more than 200 years ago. Do you agree or disagree with the statement? The First Amendment goes too far in allowing hate speech in modern America and should be updated to reflect the cultural norms of today. The poll revealed that 51% of Americans agreed with the statement, essentially calling for the First Amendment to be rewritten. Of those who believe that the First Amendment should be modified, 54% approved of imprisoning those who engage in so-called hate speech, and 40% think fining or ticketing offenders is acceptable. 80% of those surveyed admitted they don't actually know what the First Amendment really protects. Whether this poll accurately reflects a significant number of Americans or not, the establishment is pushing the narrative that certain types of speech should be banned. An on-point example of this concerns vaccination policy. 
regulating those who question vaccine safety or criticize big pharma, big agriculture and the like is happening under the hazy guise of something needs to be done about misinformation. On November 27, 2019, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton tweeted, one thing I'm grateful for are vaccines that save lives. Let's all do our part to counter anti-vaccination disinformation that threaten lives. Well, she got her free speech a day later. Chelsea Clinton tweeted on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving, I am especially grateful for the doctors, nurses, public health staff, and vaccine workers who are vaccinating children against deadly diseases, including measles and fighting anti-vax misinformation. They're heroes. Of all things to treat, why vaccination, especially on Thanksgiving? We're not saying Secretary of State Clinton and her daughter cannot express an opinion, but their exhortations are hardly helpful to the genuine issue of vaccine skepticism. There's been pushback to vaccination mythologies. For instance, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s well-done research of vaccine dangers has the attention of the establishment. Is this why Secretary Clinton and her daughter chimed in? It's not just the Clintons, though. President Trump was thought to be somewhat open to a discussion on vaccines early in his presidency. But after claiming to speak to experts such as Bill Gates, who is a computer expert, I don't know what he knows about vaccines, his views are now solidly pro-vaccination. In April of 2019, when questioned by the press regarding the hyped measles so-called epidemic, President Trump made clear, quote, they have to get the shot. The vaccines are so important. This is really going around now. They have to get the shot, unquote. But this exhortation pales in comparison to President Trump's September 19, 2019 executive order titled Modernizing Influence of Vaccines in the United States to Promote National Security and Public Health. If a powerful flu vaccine ever becomes available, will anyone be able to refuse, especially in the wake of a real or more likely manufactured epidemic? While well, contrary information, will it be allowed to be made? Well, can we express ourselves to the contrary? We already see literal blocking of valuable information on the internet. We already know the editorials called for the hanging of those who share vaccine dangers. The fact that the United States Vaccine Court has paid out billions in claims since being founded in 1986 should tell people at the very least that vaccines can cause harm. Well, we'll have more to say about this in the future because it's not going away. But my job is to help protect you and empower you with the information you can use to defend yourself and to improve your health for yourself and your family. I'm Dr. Dan Rowe. You've been listening to The Royal Treatment. We'll be back again next week for another episode of The Royal Treatment. But until then, my friends, may you all be well.